Welcome to this Mount Pleasant Baptist Church podcast recorded at our Kubalup campus. We're glad you've joined us and we pray that the Lord will speak to you and encourage you through this message. That's exactly what I want to share with you uh, this morning about uh, standing strong, strong in difficult times. Uh, I think as we reflect, there's always been difficult times in this world. You know, uh, just going back 20 or 21 years, we remember Y2K, where the world was going to come to an end, you know, and it was going to destroy everything. And then you remember in 2001, uh, anthrax is going to kill us all. 2002, the West Nile virus is going to kill us all. And then 2003, SARS is going to kill us all. And then the bird flu in 2005 and E. coli in 2006. And then uh, the sad uh, financial collapse that was going to kill us all in 2008. We're going to starve to death. Uh, The swine flu in 2009. And then 2013, North Korea was going to cause World War III. And then 2014, the Ebola virus was going to kill us all. Then in 2015, uh, some political organizations were going to wipe us all out. Uh, And uh, 2016, another virus was going to kill us. And now 2020, uh, the coronavirus is going to wipe us all out. And uh, it's sad that that uh, begins to creep in and begins to take over our psyche and our minds and our hearts. And fear grips us. And uh, what is next that is going to come and take control uh, of us all? Well, folk, uh, there are many countries that are at war today. Uh, Countries, uh, as you'll see on the screen there, um, that are at war right now with one another. Countries like Yemen and Syria and, and Mexico, Turkey, Somalia and Iraq. And those wars have been taking place uh, right now. So those are are wars, kind of physical wars. But there is also a spiritual war, and fear begins to take control. And I just read the the new uh, statistics about the coronavirus just uh, this week, earlier in the week, and you'll see that that with the coronavirus cases, there's over 180 million or 88 million people uh, that have been uh, affected by the virus. Sadly, over 4 million deaths. If we take that, folks, just to put it into context, in our own country, if you were to take those figures, it's one in every six. So that's horrendous. And I know that you know somebody, and so do I know somebody, who's passed on because of the virus. In fact, each morning you read about these things. You know, uh, you go on to Facebook just to see who's passed on. How sad is that? You know, not to hear the latest gossip, but to hear, that's good as well. But, you know, it's, it's, it's how many people have died and who, uh, back in Johannesburg, back in uh, Cyprus, who's passed on, which uncle, which aunt, which family member has passed on. But thank God many have recovered. And so there is a war taking place. And that war that has taken place has been since creation after Adam and Eve uh, and the fall. And folk, it's a war that's taking place. And and I wish I knew that when I was a young person. And as I grew up, 
kind of temptation that comes across our lives and our pathways, and we give in to it because there's a war taking place. Don Francisco sang it so beautifully. There's a war within my heart. It's tearing me apart. A war between two kingdoms and two masters. One of them must win. The other must give in. Jesus must be Lord of all. And I wish that I'd taken that to heart when I was younger. Because then, you, you know, Proverbs talks about sins. And he says, it's like cuts and bruises that could have been avoided. You wake up the next morning and those cuts and bruises didn't have to be there if you weren't stupid the night before, talking about myself. You know, because of the silly things that we did. And I believe as men and women of God, we need to stand strong in these difficult times. And it's not just standing strong because we, uh, that's what we do, but it's because God has prepared us for that in these difficult times. Folk, these difficulties sadly will not go away. It's part of the reality of life. And so how do we stay strong in difficult times? Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 13. Ephesians 6 10 to 13. Paul writes to the church. And folk, he's covered amazing things in this book. He, he's spoken about what it means to be a child of God and the many blessings uh, of his glorious grace in Christ and that we've been made alive in Jesus in chapter 2 and how he comes to be the, the, the preacher to the Gentiles and those insearchable riches that are found in Christ. And then talks about how the family structure uh, operates and now tells us about the armor of God. At the end of this book, this amazing book, he comes and talks about the armor of God. And he says, finally, in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that when you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in evil in the heavenly realms. And you, you think that, that Paul has said it, and we hear it, but he has to remind us again. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. And so, what does that mean for you? And for me in 2021. Well, I think firstly, we need to realize that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against God's enemy. And he tells us that in verse 12, where he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I had denied this for many years in my spiritual journey. And I thought that, you know, these hyper-charismatics only, you know, were ready to cast out demons all the time. And the sad part is that I realized that there is a spiritual war taking place. And that spiritual war uh, that he speaks about in verse 12 is against rulers. And that word ruler uh, is those who are in authority um, that from a, a spiritual perspective that are against God. And so that is a problem. And he says that these are, are powers against the world's forces of darkness. And the word power there, we all know his word dinami or dynamis, which means uh, influential powers. That's why it talks about those powers of darkness. Where darkness there means ignorance of moral goodness. Ignorance of moral goodness. And in fact, if you take that word to its ultimate conclusion, scotia, it actually means uh, they are so influential that they can kill you. 
if you don't have the power to be able to stand strong in those difficult times. They can wipe you out because we know that the wage of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. And it's who we give our heart to that can be the influence that can take control of us to help us to succeed in the things of God or to throw the towel in and just say, well, uh, the evil one has influenced me and I'm morally bankrupt. And so just as, uh, you know, there are armies in this world uh, that have a hierarchy, you have, you know, normal soldiers and then you've got corporals and sergeants and, and staff sergeants and warrant officers and lieutenants going all up to generals, they too... The evil forces have this hierarchy. And Paul talks of it, this world forces as cosmocratoras, the cosmocrats as it were. There's this hierarchy of fallen angels who will come in and will try and influence us into the dark things of this world. And folk, it's easy. It's all around us. And it's easily to be influenced if we're not men and women of God. And their one purpose is to devour us. It's to make us fall short and to, to stumble and fall and to destroy the works of God through our lives. And he begins to attack us in many different forms. You know, in our own personal walk with God, uh, it, through uh, our journeys, uh, through our relationships, through our families, through our friends. And he comes in and causes consternation. Consternation. I don't know what it means, but it sounds good. It comes and causes trouble. It's amazing, uh, you know, and, and I got, not really got permission from Maria to say this, but, you know, um, you know we, we, we come to church in two cars. You know, I come first, and then Maria comes with Michael afterwards, and it's fine. Then when we go home in our separate cars, as soon as we get there, the devil tries to do something. It only happens in my family, I'm sure. Imagine if we came in one car, what it would be like. We wouldn't get here, you know. And he comes in and he niggles and he tries to do something and go, you know what, uh, this, that. And he begins to cause consternation and trouble. Why? Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The good news that went out, he has got to um, come in and cause trouble so it becomes bad news. And that's what the devil does. To come and to destroy let me try and compare it this way. My beautiful late dad had a drinking problem. But that was not the problem. The problem was that he denied he had a problem. And that's 80% of the problem, you see. And so the ideal here is that we realize that there is a struggle taking place, a spiritual struggle. When we realize that and acknowledge that, we can move on to the next step, which is number two. To overcome God's enemy, we need God's strength. We need God's strength. That's what Paul talks about in verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. What is he saying there? Well, the word strong there uh, actually uh, has uh, this beautiful connotation of getting stronger all the time. So it's present and it's continuous and it's exponential. In other words, you're constantly getting stronger in the things of who? In the Lord. So, folks, that's a powerful phrase there because uh, being in Christ is exactly what Paul uh, talks about here. And he's saying, you know, be strong or get stronger 
in the Lord. In, and the word there, Lord, Kyrios, your master. Get strong in the things that will influence you, the one you belong to. So the one I call master is the one that influences me. And that's why he's saying, listen, there is a battle taking place. You've got to get strong in the Lord. Or else you're going to struggle along and eventually get defeated. And so the title of the Messiah, Kyrios, is the one who influences our hearts. And so we overcome the enemy because we are attached to God. And that power comes in relationship. In relationship. You know, when you read an autobiography, it's as if you know the person. When you get to the end of the book, the one that they've been writing about, that particular character in that book, it, it feels like you get to know the person. And that's exactly what we do in our relationship with God. We read the Word of God and we get to know Him better. Why? Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Sounds so much better in the King James. Faith cometh by hearing you know, and hearing by the Word of God. No matter which translation you use, Romans 10, 17 says, as we spend our time in the Word, so we grow in the things of God and we gain strength. Isaiah 40 verse 31 is such a beautiful verse that we know so well. Yet those who wait on the Lord. Some, some translations say those who hope in the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. The word there, wait or hope, those who wait or hope, is the Hebrew word kwava, which means those who tie themselves together like a rope with its many strands that's tied together, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Those who put their faith and trust and entangle themselves in the things of God will renew their strength. They will rise up on wings as eagles. So we exchange our weakness, as it were, for the strength that God gives us, and we grow stronger and stronger all the time. Exchange my weakness for His strength. Thirdly, God's armor is our protection. God's armor is our protection. And he tells us that in verse 11, uh, where he says, put on the full armor of God. Now, folks, you could have just said, put on the, the armor of God. But he says, put on the full armor of God. Why would Paul tell us that? Because it's important to do that. So when you go to war, depending what kind of war you're going on, you don't just take a, a firearm and, and a helmet. Why? Because the enemy could, uh, you know, kill you through a bullet to the body. So what he's saying here is put on the full armor of God. That word uh, put on uh, is the word entheo. In other words, get tied to it. It's there. It's not put it on as in, you know, take each item and put it on. He's saying it's there. You need to sink into the clothes. Sink into the armor of God. It's there for you. Sink into it. Because it's complete, it's full, we need to sink into it. Because if we do it ourselves, we might leave something out. We might forget something. You know, uh, occasionally our little boy, um, not so little anymore, you know, might forget his shin pads. Hey son, what about your shin pads? No shin pads, you can't play. That's the rule. And, but your leg can be broken with no shin pad. And so what, it's a small part of the kit but it's part of the kit. And so put on the full armor of God. Put it on the full armor of God so you can stand. 
You see, evil comes in different shapes and sizes, and it comes to frustrate us. And so that's why we need to put on the full armor of God so we can be protected because Satan comes with many, many schemes. He comes in all different directions, and he wants us to have the right, the wrong weapons so he can attack us. And that's why Paul warns us, forewarned is forearmed, put on the full armor of God because we're going to battle. It's God's battle, but we need to be prepared for that battle. He comes and he attacks us, you know, through, through doubting our faith. Uh, even strong people uh, begin to doubt. Where is God in all of this? You know, why did God allow this to happen? Well, folk, it's not so much God. Sometimes it's ourselves, you know, uh, doing stupid things. You know, uh, and we, we, I can mention many. You know, why is God allowing this? And spiritually mature people have begun to question, where is God in all of this? Well, folk, He's with us. He's with us. In fact, He's in the midst of it. And He's holding our hand. Not we're holding his hand. He's holding our hand. And he wants us to get stronger and stronger. But he wants us to focus on him and put on the full armor of God. Finally, number four, how do we stand strong? Well, we stand strong in God's victory. We stand strong in God's victory. And Paul reminds us of that. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. To stand so we can stand strong because there is a battle taking place and the quicker we realize that the quicker we can begin to prepare for the battle and once we've prepared we stand strong and Paul uses that beautiful word there istemi uh, to stand firm to stand istemi it means to set into place to stand to remain to abide remember quava to abide to continue to once you've entered into covenant, to remain in covenant. Because there's been exchange of blood. And folk, where did that take place? On the cross of Calvary. And so, as we've come to faith in Christ, we put on the full armor of God. Because the victory has been won. I find graduations, um, you know, whether you're graduating from primary school, high school, university, whatever. It's such an anticlimax. You know, because you've done all the work. Congratulations, move on, next. You know. I mean, before you said the word Christophides, next. You know. And you spelt it wrong, and you pronounced it wrong. <laughs> Folk, we can begin to enjoy the awesome graduation that is coming one day when we graduate into the very presence of God. We can begin to enjoy it now. As we stand firm. We can walk out of here secure, knowing that greater is he that is in us than he that is, well, he that is in the world. Why? Because we're entangled with not the wrong one, but with the right one. His name is Jesus. Paul often talks about being in Christ. And folk, that's who we are. The church is, are those who are in Christ. The ecclesia, those who are called out. What a privilege it is to be part of of the church here at Kulbalap. To be able to pick up the phone if there's no servants to say, please pray for me, I'm going through a hard time. To be brothers and sisters together. And folk, there are people who criticize the church, but Jesus died for the church. He died for you and for me. Stay strong together. As we bind ourselves with Him, we bind ourselves with one another. 
and it's the greatest place to be. You can't pick up the phone and phone your non-Christian family and say, going through a hard time, please pray for me. They say, listen, dial somebody else. But you can dial your non-family who are Christians, your non-blood family who are Christians, you can say, pray for me, please. They say, yes, absolutely. What can I do for you? That's the church. That's brothers and sisters in Christ. And we stand strong because the victory has been accomplished. Let me end off by reading you this beautiful story, which you may have heard before. It's about a farmer who owned uh, a piece of land. And uh, it was along the Atlantic sea coast, and he constantly advertised for hired hands. And most people were reluctant to work on farms along the Atlantic. They dreaded the awful storms that raged across the Atlantic, wreaking havoc on the buildings and crops. As the farmer interviewed applicants for the job, he received a steady stream of refusals. Finally, a strong, thin man, well past middle age, approached the farmer. Are you a good farmhand? The farmer asked him. Well, I can sleep when the wind blows, answered the little man. Although puzzled by this answer, the farmer, desperate for help, hired him. The little man worked well around the farm, busy from dawn to dusk, and the farmer felt satisfied with the man's work. Then one night, the wind howled loudly in from offshore. Jumping out of bed, the farmer grabbed a lantern and rushed next door to the hired man's sleeping quarters. He shook the little man and yelled, Get up! A storm is coming! Tie things down! Before they blow away, the little man rolled over in bed and said firmly, No, sir, I told you I can sleep when the wind blows. Enraged by the response, the farmer was tempted to fire him on the spot. Instead, he hurried outside to prepare for the storm. To his amazement, he discovered that all of the haystacks had been covered with tarpaulins, the cows were in the barn, the chickens were in the coops, and the doors were barred. The shutters were tightly secured. Everything was tied down. Nothing could blow away. The farmer then understood what his hired hand meant, so he returned to his bed to also sleep while the wind blew. When you're prepared spiritually, mentally, and physically, you have nothing to fear. Can you sleep when the wind blows through your life? The hired hand in the story was able to sleep because he had secured the farm against the storm. We secure ourselves against the storms of life by rounding ourselves in the word of God, we don't need to understand. We just need to hold his hand to have peace in the middle of storms. Those that wait, those that entangle themselves, those that prepare well through the word of God are able to stand strong. My hope, my prayer is that we stand strong together in difficult times. For his honor is cool. Thank you for joining us. We would love to hear from you. If you would like prayer, please submit a prayer request at mounties.org.au forward slash prayer or send an email to communications at mounties.org.au and one of our team will be in contact. Have a great week.